Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Blue Oval Podcast. I am Ben Weissel, and joining me, as always, Garrett Zetlin. How's it going, man? Ben, it was such a an exciting weekend of action and all the results that I was so inspired to not just go out and run once this week, but twice this week, two days in a row. I even fought through some knee pain, which is like totally not a great thing to do, but I did it anyways because I was so inspired um, and uh, it, it got got me in the running mood, even if I suffered in both instances. So uh, exciting stuff. Well, you probably ran ab- as about as much as I did because I'm kind of coming back from a little bit of a, a hamstring uh, issue. So I, I ran twice this week just for a few miles just to kind of get back going. But really, I was doing a lot of running, uh, going back and forth, watching a high school race yesterday. So I'm, I'm pretty beat from sitting out there on a course for like six, seven hours, but uh, happy to be back here doing the podcast, talking about some college stuff now. Yeah, man. Watch out. Who knows? Maybe I'm going to start, you know, giving the pace to you instead of the last time we run, (laughs) you know, even though the last time we run, it it was very clearly what my fitness was and uh, it was not pretty. That's what it was. So. Hey, uh, just keep keep working, and, and next time we run, uh, it'll be uh, better, I'm sure. So probably not. No. Uh, well, hey, no optimistic outlook. Come on, come on. Uh, just and so uh, we like you said, we had a lot of really good results this weekend, and we did have uh, two new ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts, which was exciting. One really nice uh, review that said they don't always agree but they enjoy the podcast and the content. So I, I think that's probably the highest, one of the highest levels of honor where they don't even think we know what we're talking about all the time, but they still enjoy listening to us. So that's good. It's it's great. And frankly, you know, I don't even know uh, if I agree with everything I say all the time. So I think, I think this kind of works out. But yeah, th- and that's exactly what this kind of is. It's more just us trying to expand, I think, conversation. I don't think we wake up every day and my goal is like, I must predict the first 40 right. places exactly at the national championship. So, you know, like it is what it is. And our methods of rankings aren't always super popular. Um, you know, I think a lot of people like to look at potential versus actual results. And it's a very tricky area, but I appreciate that someone understands that perspective and that they can still enjoy it. So kudos to you. Shout out to you. Thanks for listening. And uh, thanks for reading the podcast or re- thanks for reading the website. Excuse me as well. Yeah. I mean, Obviously, we're not going to be able to predict everything right. But when we do get things right, we, we do like to toot our own horn, which uh, we we don't get the opportunity to do probably as much as we'd like to. But we do hope that we at least come at things from a logical, rational perspective that is consistent uh, across the board that, like you said, stirs the conversation and brings more attention to the sport as a whole. Absolutely. And, you know, Ben, there was a few things that I was right about this week. Yeah. I think we should start about the, you know, the Oklahoma State Invitational. So let's let's start there. We'll get to we'll get to my point of where I was ultimately right. All right. Well, let, let's start on the men's side where uh, NAU, BYU and Oklahoma State ended up having a really, really interesting race. Um, NAU took home the victory pretty easily if you just look at the overall results. But when you score Clayson Shumway, uh, in for BYU, who is running unattached because he's taking the semester off uh, and, in, and is not a BYU student currently, but will be next semester. Then it's a seven-point win for NAU. It's a little close. We they NAU was uh, missing Nico Young, Theo Quacks, Blaze Farrow. Um, but I, I think we should probably start with the hometown team, Oklahoma State. I, I'd be curious to see what they look like 
uh, somewhere else besides their own home course. But from what we've seen in that from them in the last two two races, they are for real. And last year looks like a complete anomaly. Absolutely. So the final results, uh, when you factor in Colorado and all that jazz, factor in Clayson Shumway, don't include uh, John Dressel because he doesn't have eligibility. You get NAU at 43 points. You get BYU men at 50 points. And then a single point behind mm-hmm. is Oklahoma State. And Ben, can you remind can you remind our listeners what the bet was we had last week? See, this is why I led with we like to toot our own horn when we're right. And really, I was saying Garrett <laughs> likes to toot about his me. own horn. Absolutely, it's right. about me. Uh, so the bet was seven and a half points. Uh, BYU were seven and a half point favorites for Oklahoma State. I picked BYU. Garrett picked Oklahoma State. Uh, the Cowboys easily going under that seven and a half point threshold and nearly winning uh, just straight up. So. Yep, Garrett Garrett was right this time. I think that's probably good for my job security, so I'm just going to bank it on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll we'll uh, keep you around for a little while as long as you let me have these wins and these bets. Um, yeah. Now, now I got to start putting money on it because you know no no NCAA <laughs> athlete here. Yeah. Um, but uh, in that sense, great race for Oklahoma State, and don't worry, we'll touch on NAU and BYU in a second. But Oklahoma State on their home course brings the scoring potency. I mean, Isaiah Rodriguez is about as good as we thought he was. Ryan Smeaton, I think in what, 10th in the team scoring? I think he was 11th overall. Um, I mean, that was really impressive. But Alex Meyer, or Mayer, however you say his last name, ninth overall, a huge, huge finish there for him. He had kind of been like a nice back-end piece for a little bit, showed some great potential at the Cowboy Jamboree, but is now stepping up to not only just contribute as a middle lineup scorer, but someone who can place very highly in this top-heavy field. Victor Shisama, 10th place overall, I think ninth in the team scoring that we had. I mean, he is someone who now steps up and contributes in a big way as well. He kind of backs up his breakout race from the Cowboy Jamboree. A massively impactful and super potent top four. I don't know the exact numbers there, but I would argue that it was probably the best top four in the field. I think actually NAU, I think, had that, um, but not by like a dramatic amount. You know, NAU wasn't, had, didn't have a top four that was dramatically better. And frankly, Ryan Shope, freshman Ryan Shop, Shope, however you say it, 21st place overall. You kind of factor him in after some displacement, and he just gets up a few spots. I mean, Oklahoma State is eight points back when you, you know, factor in all the unattached runners. And all, all that happens is that if Ryan Shop like sits with that top scoring group, I mean, it is very realistic to think that Oklahoma State could have scared NAU. So it's it's some really, really nice running from the Cowboys. Yeah, and I, I'll highlight Alex Meyer for a second because he was somebody, when I was previewing Oklahoma State last year, c- came into Stillwater with a high high school pedigree, with someone that I thought could really blossom at the program, and with somebody that I thought could maybe do that immediately um, in his freshman year. He didn't have a, he didn't have a bad season, but he just wasn't super impactful for an Oklahoma for the Oklahoma State team last year. But this year, he's really showing all that potential that he had in high school. He got a year in the program, acclimated himself really well, and is running uh, fantastic. And is a big reason why Oklahoma State, like you said, really wasn't that far off from uh, upsetting BYU and NAU. Um, and, and Victor Shitama, this is. I, I don't know where this came from. He's been around for a few years with the program and has just come into his own. And then Ryan Shop, like 
as a freshman, kind of doing what maybe I thought Alex Meyer could have done last year. Um, so it's not like crazy that Oklahoma State is doing this. Obviously, we thought Rodriguez and Smeaton would be great low sticks for them. But for these guys to just improve the way that they have, uh, the potential was there. But to fulfill that potential to its highest degree, I think, is is what is really making the Cowboys really, really good this year. Yeah, absolutely. So kudos to Dave Smith, though, because mm-hmm. last year's squad underwhelmed a ton. And now, admittedly, they had some injuries. They had some some rough patches there. They had limited depth, still guys trying to develop. Um, they are a little limited past five scorers, um, or you know, arguably maybe four scores, depending on how you look at it. So you kind of need to develop a little bit more depth, but I really have liked what we've seen so far. They're making the most out of their weapons, high caliber athletes. Um, and, and who knows? I mean, I think this is the kind of high ceiling potential squad that we had talked about. We ranked them a bit further back because we weren't a hundred percent confident in kind of seeing how they would do after such a rough 2019 season, but um, they look really, really strong. Yeah. I mean, this isn't that different from the team last year, right? Like the, these are all guys that were around and running with the exception of shop that like were, were competing for Oklahoma state. So uh, yeah, huge, huge ups to Coach Dave Smith for for developing a lot of these guys. Um, next, next team that I really would like to talk to uh, talk about is BYU. Their front three. If if we we had talked about Mance being kind of the number one returner, we knew that Klinger and Shumway coming back was going to kind of be the X factor for this team. Um, getting two All Americans back into the lineup, Klinger coming back from mission and Shumway back from injury was going to be a huge boost. And we had heard some things about what Klinger has been doing in practice and workouts and, and time trials. And so we were expecting some big things. But for him to go toe-to-toe with Grijalva and Mance, finish third, Shumway to finish seventh, I mean, this this is what, I, I in my opinion, the best top three in the country right now. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, especially if Klinger is going to run this way. I mean, we had him, what, ranked individually at 31st in our preseason rankings. And it's not that we didn't think he couldn't be here. It's not that right. we didn't think that he couldn't be at this level. But when you've gone on a mission trip, which has historically taken a while for some athletes to bounce back from, and then you're expected to contribute at a high level as a top low stick, immediately upon coming back after a three-year absence from racing, I, I kind of shrugged my shoulders. And I'm like, well, I think that was a fair middle ground. you know? Like, yeah. And so it's not that we didn't think he couldn't be here because the rumor suggested that he was absolutely in top shape. That you know there had been some secret meet where I guess he took down you know Mance at a time trial on the grass somewhere like you know I I had been hearing hey Klinger's better than Mance I'm like eh, mm-hmm. okay I mean we didn't see that this weekend but I think it at the very least shows that Klinger is back in top fitness he's looking incredible um, and, and he just seems to be you know one of the top talents that he was during a freshman year and that alone when you put on the Shumway when he's healthy and Mance and, and Klinger gives them a great top three, but then their back end wasn't so hot and it left them a little vulnerable in this race. Yeah. I mean, they, they had by far out of the top three teams, the worst four and five scorers. Uh, and someone like Brandon Garnica, who we had in our top 50, who ran really well last year, uh, struggled a little bit this year. Uh, Zach Erickson and Kramer Morton, were solid, but they just weren't up to the level of those other teams. It wouldn't surprise me at all 
by the time if we end up running in the winter that we see a much better back end which is why the front end being as good as they are already i think is really promising for byu going forward yeah absolutely i you know i think Brandon Garnico, however, I'm not entirely sold on him yet, but he has mm-hmm. shown us enough to say that, oh, he can be an impact middle lineup score at that fourth or, you know, fourth, not really at that third spot now that that's kind of solidified, but kind of that fourth spot when he's at his best, you think that he kind of be at that point. Um, we haven't ranked at 50th. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. 35th this past weekend, not great. This back end will get better. It absolutely will. They're a historically deep team. I would find it surprising if the Cougars weren't able to rebound or weren't able to find another, you know, score or two. I think maybe Matt Owens is probably another name. I don't even think he ran. Right. Um, so, I mean, just, just something to keep in mind there. BYU will be better. Um, but that back end is something to watch, especially when you get top heavy fields like this, where you get enough scores like Oklahoma state to just completely fill in you know, the top few spots, you can be a little vulnerable there. So not going to overreact to BYU, but maybe that back end, just something to look at moving forward. And before we move on, I, we should probably touch on NAU, uh, just picking up kind of where they left off last regular season. Uh, very impressive. They they were without a few of their top guys, as we mentioned. I think the biggest thing is seeing Jalva beating Mance. And this is something that... Uh, we that I kind of was looking at going into this race when I was writing the preview, can NAU have guys that can compete or beat Mance? Because if they can, I don't think BYU necessarily has a great shot at upsetting NAU again, because that's really how they were able to do it last year. They just had more top tier guys at the front at nationals than NAU did. And obviously NAU didn't have a great race at NCAAs last year, but if Grijalva is going to be this kind of guy that he was showing uh by the end of last indoor season then this really just gives nau an even bigger margin for error than they ever had before yeah i'm not gonna lie i mean while grijalva was great and and nerd did well enough you know finishing i think fifth in the team scoring seventh overall i would have liked to see a little more scoring potency though and and i get it they didn't have nico young they didn't have theo quacks they didn't have blaze farrow but, you know, Drew Bosley fell behind a little bit. He was 15th overall. In fact, I don't even think, was he even a top five? No, he, he was, was a top okay. yeah. he, he was their fifth. Okay, so he was their fifth. I mean, I, I think he can be better. Um, you know, Corey Gorgas had a nice race. They're super deep. I, I would have liked to see someone else inside that top 10. Um, I think I just give something a little more scoring potency. Um, it, it's not life or death, obviously, but I, I do think that this Oklahoma State course favors someone like Rajalva, someone who can, you know, has a little more leg speed, a little more turnover, who is a little bit quicker on the track, you know, can drop down a little bit. It is just a flatter course. They have more downhills. It's not like Terre Haute where you have to grind out every extended hill or incline and turn. You know, I don't truthfully not super familiar with Oklahoma State's course, but from my understanding, it's a very refined, very well-groomed, quick enough course um, at least compared to Terre Haute so that's just my understanding of it and I think that benefits a few NAU guys a little better than compared to maybe BYU um, but overall the the combination of NAU's depth match with someone like you said Grijalva mixing it up with uh, Manson Klinger that's going to give them the edge about you know eight or nine times out of ten yeah 100 um, percent and then before we move on to the women 
wanted to highlight Southern Utah put together a pretty solid race. Um, they were they were a distant fourth, but we got to see uh, Aiden Reed come back. Travis Feeney uh, returned from his church mission. Uh, he had some solid high school credentials. Uh, Christian Ricketts led the way for the team. It's it's a solid team that I, we truthfully we had we had talked a lot about putting them in our top 25 they just missed out in our preseason so i think this was a pretty solid performance to see from them uh and certainly puts them in the national kind of title or national contender kind of picture uh for the top 30 spots yeah i would agree with that i think they looked solid i wouldn't say they were amazing by any means they still don't have that same firepower that you would see from a few other teams that, you know, obviously NAU, BYU, Oklahoma State, or really even Colorado, who we should touch on in a moment. Um, but, you know, they ran well. They brought back Aiden Reed. He's healthy. Nate Osterstock and Christian Ricketts ran well. Travis Feeney's back from his, uh, you know, mission. Stefan Rasmussen, um, you know, back in there at the number five spot. They weren't flashy or amazing by any means, but they were solid. They, they stayed compact and they put themselves ahead of a few back end scores from a few of these top teams. So, I, I thought they ran well. They got the job done. Um, you know, that's a good performance. Nothing amazing, but I thought it was pretty solid. And not only that, we should talk about Colorado here. Beating, it, not beating, but fifth overall, um, 104, 105 points, I think, in total when you count some of their unattached runners. And uh, Water Herrera with maybe the best race of his life. Yeah. Um, fourth place overall. Incredible performance for him. Um, they didn't have Kashawn Harrison. They didn't have Stephen Jones. Alec Kornecker, not an amazing day, but this is a guy who I think kind of peaked for postseason. And then a few inexperienced young, uh, youngsters on the back end there in those final few scoring spots. I- I'm not going to really look at this super heavily, but just any thoughts on your end? Yeah, I, I thought it was actually a pretty solid performance from them. Uh, obviously, you would have rather had Hornecker a little further up there. But, I mean, Harrison and Jones will give them a lot more scoring potency. I, I like seeing guys like Jace Ashbrenner and, and Hunter Appleton get some racing experience. I, I think it was solid performance for, for performances from them, and I think they'll continue to grow into guys that can be fifth scorers for this Colorado team. Um, really good race by Herrera. Really, really impressive for him. But honestly, I, I just saw Colorado was like, yeah, that's that's fine. They'll they'll do a lot better once they have their full lineup together. And I think they just got a good experience for their younger guys. Yep, I'll, I'll agree with you there. So, all right, you want to move on to the women? Yeah, so the women, man, it was uh, just an absolute beatdown by BYU women and by Whitney Orton individually too. She just... Uh, really took it to the field. I, 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 there isn't a whole lot that I, I have to say about this race because BYU just kind of showed how good they are at turning over the roster, finding new people to fill in the gaps. They obviously lost a lot from last year's team, but didn't really look like they missed a beat too much. Um, I think Oklahoma State struggled a little bit. Uh, Taylor Rowe, though, really performed excellently again, uh, which is really good sign for the the Oklahoma State women. But like on the BYU side, you got guys like Aubrey or women like Aubrey Frenthway, Lexi Holiday. I mean, Anna Camp's obviously been a one of a top scorer for them before. But you just have so many women within this top ten that I, I was just really blown away. 
Yeah, they ran very, very well. They don't necessarily have that same scoring potency now that they lost Burke Jarvis and Waymont and, you know, one or two others, but they do have a ton of depth. I think they had like, what, 10 women inside the top 24. Um, yeah. They had, I think, you know, what, seven, six women in the top six, seven in the top 11. I mean, they were just flat out deep across the board. And admittedly, this field wasn't quite as top heavy as the men's race, um, but that doesn't make it any less impressive. Um, I mean, they just were flat out deep. And when you have a star runner like Whitney Orton, it's really impressive. Um, the future is bright for this team. I think, you know, of those 10 in the top 24, they had, I think like five of them were underclassmen, freshmen and sophomores, according to Tifers. Um so a really promising group. I will say that inexperience does leave me a little unsure about, you know, maybe a championship setting, but overall, great race from BYU. They ran very, very well. Admittedly, I think against teams that they should have run well against, but still an impressive performance. What did, what did you think about the Oklahoma State women? All right. Well, I'm glad I put in this disclaimer before we went ahead with saying, oh, Oklahoma State could, you know, scare BYU, which was not the case because in the final results, BYU, well, and and I'll, I'll take a look at the, the ones with Colorado, the way that we calculated the results, if you include the Colorado women, it's BYU 25 points, it's Colorado 70 points, Southern Utah 77 points, and Oklahoma State 90 points. Oklahoma State didn't run Molly Bourne. I thought they were going to run her. They did not. Um, Taylor Summers just continued to struggle. I, I don't know. You know, maybe she's just taking it easy. Maybe she's coming back from an injury. Not entirely sure what's kind of going on there. But she struggled a bit uh, again in this race. Taylor Road looks outstanding. Gabby Hetman got the job done with a 12th place finish. Um, but just there's not a whole lot of depth there. And if you're not going to have Bourne, if you're not going to have Summers, then it's kind of one of those things where it's like, well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of their team. So uh, I'm glad I kind of, you know, put in the disclaimer that they all kind of had to be running and all at their best. And, <laughs> you know, and, and if that was the case, they really would have. They think they would have, you know, I don't know if they would have scared BYU, but they would have been really up there, I think, well ahead of Colorado. So uh, we'll see what happens, but uh, not the best race. It looks like they're maybe looking towards the next cross-country season, whether that be in the winter or in 2021. But we'll, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you said about Oklahoma State. It's tough when your top two are not providing top two performances or even racing um, for any team to bounce back from that. It is extremely difficult. Speaking of Colorado, though, I thought there was some decent performances from there. I thought Rachel Mark MacArthur ran a really, really good race to finish fourth. Um, it was good to see Emily Covert run for the first time um, and finish 15th. So I, I don't know. It's hard to say what we're going to see from this Colorado women's team uh, moving forward. But I, I did like those two performances. I think Covert especially is someone that came in very highly thought of out of high school. We didn't get a see her at all last year. And is someone that I think could be play a pretty big part of this Colorado team going forward. Yeah, I mean, I think overall, there's a lot to really like about this team. You know, I think Abby Nichols fell back a little bit, still emerged as a scorer, I think. But I mean, I think she can still, you know, contribute. I think that she still has a lot more there. I think we've seen her run really well on numerous occasions. Um, so I think she can still offer more scoring potency. Seeing Covert run well is encouraging. Looks like Rachel MacArthur might kind of be in that low stick kind of category now. They didn't run Holly Bent. They didn't run Emily Venters. Um, you know, strong race from Caitlin Barthel. So 
overall, I think there's just a lot of actually positive signs with this. Yeah, they maybe only beat Southern Utah by seven points, but I just think there's so many more things to like about this um, than if they had not raced. So I just think there's a lot of positive signs moving forward. I'm not going to take a look at this race and, and you know start making crazy declarations about how good or not good this team is, but I, I thought it was an encouraging run and um, yeah, and I would be encouraged by it. Yeah, well, with on that note, why don't we transition to the Blazer Classic and we can uh, start with the women. Uh, Arkansas just flashing their depth again. It wasn't a super top-heavy uh, approach for from Arkansas. They didn't fill up that top five. Lauren Gregory was their top runner, and she finished fourth. But they just dominated in that like 10 to 12 range with a ton of runners uh, in that area. Taylor were continuing her really impressive freshman campaign, uh, but overall just took it to some pretty good teams in Georgia Tech, Florida State, and Ole Miss. Um, I, I'm not sure if I feel as strongly as I did about Arkansas being a possible podium contender after this race, but I certainly really, really respect the amount of pieces that they have and, and the possibilities moving forward. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I still think I'd put them in the podium conversation. I think you do have to wonder how the youngsters would perform on a high level national stage when it's crowded, filled with elite talent, but I don't, I don't take a look at this result and think that they're not a podium team anymore. I think, you know, in the team scoring running four, seven, nine, 10, 12, 17, 18, um, there's a few pretty solid individuals that was scattered throughout this field. They soundly beat the competition. Um, I don't know if there's a whole lot to, to take a look at here, but they just have more weapons. I mean, the, you know, between those, that freshman class, the returners and the transfers, um, I would just, this is about what we expected. I mean, I don't really know if there's a whole lot more to say about that other than that they're really good. So. Yeah. Yeah. And on the other team perspective, I, I thought it was a, a little bit of a tough race for Ole Miss and Florida State. I think Georgia Tech ran really well to finish second. I think Tennessee ran pretty well to finish fifth and only six points back of Florida State. Uh, and K- Kentucky women were right behind them as well. So impressive performances from them. Katie Thronson of, U- of UT and Sydney Seymour uh, finishing one and three. They are the real deal. Like you said, they were those individuals that were filling up those top few spots. Uh, and for this Tennessee team, they, they're they really impressing me. Obviously, they, they got to work on that back end a little bit, but they have a top three that, that is almost it rivals almost every other team in this race besides Arkansas. Yeah, the, now that you mention it, I didn't really think about the top three. I always just I just see that first and third place finish and think, <laughs> wow, that's a wicked one too. Yeah. But you're right. The the third place spot wasn't dramatically that far behind Georgia Tech's Florida State or Ole Miss. In fact, the third scorer for Georgia Tech was 22nd, Tennessee's was 26th, and then Florida State's was 28th and Ole Miss's was 29th. You're right. The, the third scorer really wasn't all that far behind. I mean, other than Arkansas, who had their third scorer, which I think was um, – Abby Gray finishing ninth. So that's a fair point there. The back end needs to improve by a good portion, but they've got that one-two punch. Um, that's pretty encouraging. Uh, shout out to Jenna Gearing of Kentucky. I mean, she yeah. got second overall. I think she won the Louisville Classic as well. And her combined with Katie Thornton and Sydney Seymour, that that's a group that I wasn't totally sold on after Louisville. I just thought, okay, right. it's not, it's like a super top heavy field. And then they come into this, they take the top three spots. I'm like, wow, this is, this is like a legit group of low sticks. Um, so kudos to them. They're all having breakout seasons. 
Yeah, and, and I, I think you, you hit it, hit the nail on the head with those three women. But Georgia Tech is is someone that we've been high on, and they came out and finished second. Just a really solid, deep team, um, led led by Nicole Fagans, who was excellent, uh, finishing sixth. But the rest of their team just solid across the board. Um, I, I think it was a little bit of a surprise to see them beat Florida State and Ole Miss. Um, and they didn't do it super convincingly, but for them to beat beat those two teams, I think is really good uh, sign for them going into ACCs. Yeah, this is another one of those towns where I'm going to pat ourselves on the back here, <laughs> where we, you know, we've kind of been high. We've been saying, "Hey, watch out for Georgia Tech." In our meet preview, we said, "Watch out for Georgia Tech." If Nicole Fagan's runs, they have a scary not scary, but they have a well-rounded back end, a very solid back end. Um, and it turns out that that was exactly what they needed in order to come out ahead. They just put more scores ahead of Florida State. Uh, Fagans ran well in sixth place overall. Um, you know, I, I just think they were, they were a solid team. We had them ranked 10th in our midseason rankings, and I kind of got the vibe that maybe some people were kind of maybe not sold on that, or maybe you know they would have put them back a few spots. But I, I think there's no reason now to doubt the legitimacy of uh, Georgia Tech. I'm excited to see what they can do at the ACC championships. Um, but as for Florida State, Ole Miss, I'm not super. I mean, they, they needed more firepower. I think this is not – I'm not totally shocked to see this result. But Florida State looks rusty. They just look rusty. They're not running super poorly, but like there's I'm not really seeing anything super exciting. We had them so highly ranked in our team rankings, and they just haven't really produced. Now, admittedly, they didn't have Lauren Ryan and they didn't have Rebecca Clark. And if they had those women this past weekend or this past Friday, I like to think that they probably could have come out ahead of Georgia Tech. I feel like that seems pretty fair. They're only eleven points behind, but even then, I mean, it's just one of those things where I'm like, I kind of need to see more. And they still have a, a handful of veterans, some some decent names from last year. You would have thought that they would have been able to at least get second in this race. Um, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Not really sure what to expect from them. I like to think that they're going to be better whenever we next have a cross-country season, whether that be this winter. But uh, who knows? Just tough to say. Yeah, well, why don't we transition to the men's side where it was it was a, a similar picture. Arkansas just took it to the rest of the field. Um, I, I think the addition of uh, Amon Kemboy coming back obviously was massive. He took home the win and looked really strong. I think, and you mentioned this in your recap, but Emmanuel Chabosin. We obviously had seen the talent and we knew that the ability was there, but the consistency had not been. And for him to run the way he has so far this season, I mean, he was with Ken Boy for most of the race, only finished like less than a second behind him. Uh, I think it's a really big sign for Arkansas that he's on Ken Boy's level currently. And then the rest of their depth is just ridiculous. Like, Luke Mead looks like the Luke Mead that I saw in high school in Tennessee when he was going head to head with Zach Long. Um, and Zach Long obviously had a great career at Tennessee. Uh, he looks like a, a new runner and looks like he that that leaf that he was turning at the end of his time at Furman has really continued to to grow at Arkansas. Andrew Cabet coming into Arkansas running really well. Gilbert Boyd still being a solid scorer. Like I mean it it's so impressive to see the amount of depth that Arkansas has now. And really like, I I mean, when you're talking about a combination of low, low sticks and depth, 
that it's hard for me to say outside of maybe the NAU and BYU guys, if there is another team quite like this. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty darn impressive. I mean, your former teammate, Jacob Bickleyard, and you know how, yeah. you know, you, you know how talented he is. Him finishing 12th and being the seventh runner on that team is pretty wild. That is really wild. Now, I do think Oklahoma State has proven that they have enough top five pieces and enough scoring potency to maybe match some of that Arkansas yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's but, fair. Uh, so at least for right now, based off of that, but man, uh, I, I mean, it has been really impressive and the Kemboy edition just changes things. It's just overpower score, you know, overwhelming scoring potency. And then just when you think you can get past that, you have to deal with all of these runners on the back end. And you're probably, if you're Ole Miss right now, who actually had the best top three in this race, yeah. they had Mario Garcia-Romo finish uh, second, Cole Bullock, huge race for him finishing third, Walid Suleiman in six. You have the best top three in the field, and yet you still get beaten by 21 points. I bet they're throwing up their hands like, what do we have to do to take down this team, even though they have the better low sticks? So um, crazy stuff, man. That, that Arkansas you know, team is just a problem. Yeah, and that's that's one thing I wanted to mention about Ole Miss is this front three that they have right now is probably the best front th- three we've seen from them in years with Garcia Romo really coming into his own. Bullock is someone that I think we had looked at at the beginning of the season at having the potential to do this, and he's certainly fulfilled that. And when Walid Suleiman is your third guy right now, you're in really, really good shape because we all know what he's going to do at Nationals, and he's going to be an All-American and a pretty high up one at that. Um, obviously, if they, I feel like the potential is there for this Ole Miss team to really take a run at nationals like they haven't for a while since they had that really good podium finish uh, like five or so years ago. Um, but this back end just has to improve a little bit. I mean, you guys, you got guys like Michael Kachia, um, who certainly could be a big contributor, Ben Savino, who's contributed in years past as well. Um, but if they can just find one or two more guys to pop, I, I really, really like what I've seen from this Ole Miss team, at least from a top three perspective. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. They they got to fix that back end. I like Dalton Hanks a lot. I, I think mm-hmm. he's pretty talented, but I think he's more of a track-oriented guy. If he can translate that fitness to the grass, there'll be a problem uh, for a lot of the teams in the SEC. Um, so I'm agree with you there. Um, I still and like someone the- like Cade Bethman too, like who who could definitely, yeah. if, if he's running well, could certainly fill that gap. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's another name. He finished 38th, but we know that when he's at his best and when he's healthier, you know, I don't really know what the case is with him this season. But yeah, he's another name, and really, if he steps in and he you know fills in that fourth scoring role, you know, the capacity that we think he can, maybe this race is a little bit closer, but. Um, yeah, it's, it is going to be interesting to figure out how they figure out that back end, um, SEC championships coming up. It'll probably be Arkansas, but if we do have a season in the winter, um, you know, Ole Miss may have enough time to kind of configure that back end and, uh, you know, put together something competitive or at least competitive enough to compete with Arkansas. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be a fantastic race. I think in the winter, if we get to see it, um, before we move on, Garrett, you won the other bet that we had. It was. It turned out to be extremely low for Arkansas winning the men and women's uh, races by a combined fourteen and a half points. You went over, and I think it was somewhere in the like seventies. So uh, that was way off on my perspective, and another dub for you. Yeah, I mean, I at this point, it's just another day at of the office, man. I'm just that good. I don't. I don't just, that said, I, oh, I should. Gosh. 
Hey, I, I can't I can't help being this talented and this good looking. I'm sorry, I just can't. Uh, <laughs> we did not need um, to get his head even bigger, America. This is rough. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, um, you know, we'll we'll kind of go from here. But I'm just saying, if you want to make any more bets, you gotta be careful now. Yeah. Well, I'll have to come up with some better lines for for conference. Yeah, I will say that line. I mean, in retrospect, that was horrendous. Was like, yeah. Was, yeah, we. we I mean, we should both, you know, I even said, I was like, oh, maybe you'd be closer to like 17 and 18 points in just these larger fields. It can get out of hand. And clearly it did for Arkansas winning. So uh, they're just that talented though. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we had two ACC tri-meets going on this weekend. We, not a whole lot to go through. We The first one was Wake Forest, UNC and NC State. Uh, UNC women dominated as the NC State sat, sat a lot of their top women. Um, I mean, good performances from UNC's younger runners. Once again, Sasha Neglia picking up another win, just becoming a habit in her career so far. Uh, Paige Hofstad looked pretty solid. Um, anything on the women's race that you wanted to mention? No, not a ton. I mean, UNC, the future is bright. You know, four of their top... Uh, you know, what for their three of their top four were freshmen, the mm-hmm. Naglia Harrington parks. They've looked great. They've been great. They'll continue to probably be great. Um, they've just been really flat out phenomenal, but that's other than that, that's all I kind of got. Uh, on the men's side, wake forest, barely edged North Carolina without Thomas Ratcliffe. Uh, wake forest didn't have Zach Faccioni, who is, uh, we believe in Australia back at home for this semester, but will return, uh, next semester. I thought it was a pretty encouraging sign for North Carolina. You had Patrick Anderson and Will Coogan run pretty well, finishing third and fourth. Um, for them to keep it as competitive as they did without their supposedly their top runner. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a fair point. I mean, you also, you know, if, if I'm Wake Forest, I'd be encouraged. No, right. I have Zach Peccioni, mm-hmm. but there's also a few guys as well within that top seven, maybe two or three others that they were missing. So, um, you know, overall, I think it's a really encouraging win for Wake Forest, even if it was just by one point, just because I think there's a lot more uh, depth and scoring potency there that we could see in the future. So uh, kudos to them. And of course, NC State did not run a handful of their best runners. I mean, it was only, you know, a few right. younger guys. So, uh, you know, just something to keep in mind there. But yeah, overall solid race, but I don't think there's a whole lot to take away from this. And then the other race that we had, we had it was at uh, Panorama Farms, Duke, Virginia, and Virginia Tech. Uh, on the women's side, Duke took home a convincing victory, uh, which I, th- I think is what I predicted. So I think that was a win for me there. No, you no no no. no? You predicted Virginia. Uh, you predicted uh, Virginia. You did not get that win. I li- I listened back to the episode today, mm. and I re- I had Duke. Darn you can it. go back and listen to it. <laughs> Uh, I really thought I had Duke. Oh man, three no, three to. L's in one episode is really. And rough. you even gave me some crap about Duke. You were yeah. surprised I took Duke. Yeah, hmm. that's rough. All right. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that that was the results. Good, really good performance from Duke across the board. Uh, took the top three spots and, and it looked really really impressive. I'm now hoping that I heard that correctly and that you did take oh, Virginia. I'm, I'm like 99 sure you took Virginia. I you're I mean you're probably right. I thought I thought I picked Duke, but I, I I'm just hoping I'm not wrong now. I'm like second guessing myself, but I'm fairly confident that's the case. Anyways, but yeah, I mean Duke ran super well. No, you're you're um, right. You're right. I looked at our I did. notes. Yep. Yeah. Sweet. Okay. I did have it. 
Um, yeah, so, I mean, but yeah, Duke ran really well. And uh, I just thought that, what, top three, they just swept the top three spots and Virginia just didn't have the scoring potency. Um, a lot better race from Virginia Tech. Um, the gap from, you know, them and Virginia was, I think, 11 points. That's that's more on par with what I thought they were going to be. I don't think that's anything super substantial, but a much better performance there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, overall, I, I don't want to say it's anything super crazy. I think this is kind of what we expected from Duke, or at least I did, apparently. Um, yeah. But yeah, well, uh, overall, you know, nice result. Uh, on the men's side, I thought it was a good race for Duke. Virginia took home the the victory by seven points, but Duke kept a little bit more competitive than they had in previous races. Virginia Tech was a distance third. Uh, Rohan Asfa looking, just continuing his dominant start for Virginia, uh, easily taking the victory once again. Uh, still a lot to like from this Virginia team after they beat NC State, um, but I think a, a little bit of a bounce back performance from Duke this week. Yeah, Duke ran well, and you know the Hokies down in third, but they didn't have Fitzsim Sayom, who was a DNF. Um, Duke also had one or two guys that were DNFs as well, so just something to keep in mind there. But yeah, I mean Virginia just continues to look solid. They have a complete top five. They've you know really actually got a few guys further than that. Really got a complete top six or seven. And Duke, I think this is them kind of making their statement like, hey, we're pretty good as well. Um, you know, they we've been saying how deep they are and how tightly compact their lineup is, and that was kind of the case here. CJ Ambrosio continuing to show that he is kind of this low stick ish kind of guy, um, at least keeping things competitive with Rohan Asfa. I think four seconds behind in the final results there, second overall. So um, good performance for Duke, nothing amazing, but a solid performance. And for Virginia, this was a nice validation, you know, nice performance. They can keep consistent, hoping that they can translate that into the ACC championships, but overall nothing, I think, too exciting out of that. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other race that we saw this past week was Arturo Barrios, uh, Texas, Pretty easily taking the win. Um, no Sam Worley, which was expected, but um, I, a really good performance from the Longhorns across the board. Yeah, on both the men's and women's side. I mean, they just kind of soundly beat them. And, you know, it was LSU and Texas A&M, and it, it wasn't a ton of teams that I'm, you know, super thrilled about necessarily. You know, I'm, they're, they're okay for what the season is, but Texas just just brought it to them. Uh, like that Texas women's lineup though, I took a look at them and I'm like, I don't recognize maybe yeah half half these names. And I'm, I, you know, I like to think that I'm pretty well researched and pretty detailed, but I mean, this, this Texas lineup, I mean, I got like Alexa Rodriguez, I got Ava Peoples and Beth Ramos. And that's about it. So yeah, I mean, good good wins for both both teams, um, and, and I think good statements for them going into Big Twelves uh, that they'll both both sides will be pretty competitive. Um, but yeah, that, I think that wraps it up for our this big last weekend of racing. It was a lot of fun to be. I was checking the live results uh, for UAB, watching them go along, and kind of seeing how how well Arkansas was running. I was like, ah, oh, this is we're we're back into the middle of cross country. So uh, really fun weekend. We'll get you guys prepared for conference weekend next week uh, on next week's pod. Um, maybe maybe do a mailbag next week and get any questions oh, yeah. people have. Yeah, absolutely. We can set something up. Maybe we'll even you know do something ahead of time and maybe try to answer a few questions um, via on the website. Who who knows? Mm-hmm. We'll figure something out. We have to still figure that out. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean you know I think there's just going to be I think so far nice season. Uh, it's been great. We get conference championships. We get to reload in November and 
you know, by that point, we'll figure out what's going on. Um, yeah, man, uh, still a lot of exciting stuff going on. We now have so many results that we can actually do some true analysis. And uh, I'm excited, man. So still a lot of good stuff moving forward. Yeah, this is this has been fun and certainly not what I was necessarily expecting uh, in August when everything seemed to be canceled and, and it didn't seem like we were going to see much. So exciting that we get to do a little bit of it. And, and who knows, maybe we're going to be gearing up. This will be a good uh, preview for winter cross country if we do get to that point. Um, but Garrett, uh, we reminding everybody to do Apple Podcasts five-star rate and review. We're only five away from 100. So uh, we, we got a good boost this week. So keep that up. Um, but until next week when we're probably doing conference previews, we'll talk to you. I'll talk to you.